Yeah, we can start. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to IFTV. Across from me, I only have one person. I only have Mike. Mike, I will say you're my favorite person on this podcast, though. I wish I could say the same. Wow. <laughs> Antonio's pretty I just funny. gave you such a nice intro. Your dad brings a lot of insights. And Peter... No, Peter's a good What do I bring? Man. At least give me one, one combo, man. You got, you're good at foosball. <laughs> That's not bringing anything to this podcast. Uh, you came in too nice, so I had to balance it out. You know, is that fair? At least nice friend. There we yeah, go. Yeah, we're we're struggling today because we got Peter, who's on his little European trip again. That's part two. Bella Vita from that guy, just going all over. I, I think, want his life. Didn't we texted him? I asked him. I said, "Are you in Brooklyn or are you still in Italy?" And he's like, "Nah, I'm in Spain or something." Yeah, he or said like he's Portugal. just running in Spain. Yeah, he's like running around. Like he's like, and then I'm going back to Italy. My dad is busy working, and Antonio has to move his wife's furniture. Something like or that. furniture in general. Yeah, I think no, it's definitely his wife. Oh, it's his wife's furniture. Yeah, he said it's a, a duty for his wife. Mm. So he might he might end up just running in here and popping in. Mm. He was trying to convince us to move the podcast back to tomorrow. I told him that we couldn't because uh, we needed to film it today, and he was very upset with me. He said we're not allowed to do one without him, but he doesn't realize that we know how to turn the cameras on, and he doesn't. It's not the first time he'd be upset with us, right? That's so true. I think it's we'll kind of like fine. every day. Exactly. By the way, we're we'll we'll recap everything that happened with the scudetto. We'll preview the last match day that we have coming up. We'll talk about Dybala, uh, his whole um, his last match with Juventus, as well as Chiellini. We had that with a few players, even with Insigne leaving Napoli. We'll we'll give you our thoughts on all those things. But I, I got to start off with Mike. I was watching the clips of uh, of you guys at the final, the Coppa Italia final mm-hmm. Ribalta, which was the the watch party at uh, with Serie A in partnership with Serie A, and the videos of Antonio. <laughs> Had me cracking up. This guy is a Milan fan. He went to Juventus against Inter, supporting Juventus, screaming Forza Juve with a Napoli kid on. Has has he? I know he lost his mind, but like he's gone over the deep end now. It's funny, Marco, because I, I I actually brought that up too. Because a lot of why did he wear a lot of IFTV fans were saying that I was like, Hanta, what are you doing with the them? And when Juve scored, he was solemn. Was like, Hanta, what's going on? So, uh, first of all, he wore it because uh, our good friend Rosario over there is uh, Napolitano. And he said he wore it, and, you know, to pay some respect towards him. And that he, makes zero sense. And he always liked Napoli because they were southern teams. So, after um, after Milan, he, he liked Napoli in Serie A. And um, what was I going to say? Well, he told me the, the other reason why he wore it. Well, he said also because, and this one made more sense to me. He said that uh, De Laurentiis, because he owns body yeah. as well. He's like, oh, all right, so I got to uh, support Napoli. And the other one was uh, because he wanted, he wanted first of all, he wanted to go down to penalties. He wanted Inter to be as tired as possible. So he wanted Juve to win to demoralize Inter. How so that, that kind of makes sense. Jersey? No, but he wore that because of Rosario. But yeah, no, uh, that, that's why he was going for Juventus. It was hilarious. Did you meet a lot of uh, IFTV fans over there? Yeah, there was a bunch. There was a bunch that even came by. Some of them uh, just came by because they couldn't stay the whole time. Nice. Uh, I got a few people FaceTiming for their younger really? siblings that couldn't come because of school. I was like, oh, how many crap. people were there? Uh, Rosario said around 150. 150 so, people, which is yeah, on a great like a turnout. Two day notice, one day notice. On a one day notice, plus on a Wednesday and a weekday, nice. which is pretty incredible. Shout so out to Serie A. They uh, we we broke the news that their office officially opened in New York, uh, but they're putting on like bunch of events even across uh, New York. So get in contact with us. We'll we'll let you know what's happening, uh, and then they have a big event coming by real soon. Mm-hmm. But my favorite video was Antonio chasing down New Yorkers, handing out cannoli, and then the rainbow cookies. He that like that pers that perfectly describes who Antonio is. Like the mannerisms of him. Like he was not doing that for video. I think you said like you just watched him do it yeah. and you went to go record him. It was the funniest thing because I finally sat down. This was after the event and I was like, let me sit down because I was running yeah. around like a maniac. I charged my phone. My phone was like pretty much dead. I sat down on the booth for a second and I looked behind me was a glass. I see Antonio running with a box of uh, rainbow cookies around. I was like, what's this guy doing? I ripped my phone off the charger. And then I was like, Anto's just handing out random people in New York these rainbow cookies. And I was like, I got to go outside and record them. The best and we're part, just doing 100 takes of people. The best part them. was when one person took it and then he said, take another one. Like, <laughs> for the road. That, that killed the me. The one that pissed him off was for the people that didn't get hit. His face was so annoyed. It was like, these guys don't trust me. Well, you reject for in an Italian culture, anyone who comes from an Italian family knows, the one golden rule is don't reject food. Especially from like an Italian mother or grandmother. You, I've learned it early on. Like you have to say yes to it. Otherwise, they take it as an offense. Like you don't like the food. Yeah. Like you, you look at it and you're like, oh, that's gross. I get that, but I also get that this was a random person in <laughs> New York City <laughs> on the sidewalk. 
walk. Honestly, I question the people that grabbed it from Antonio. Like, That's what I'm I would have taken one look at that man and been like, I am not, Dude, I'm not grabbing anything from dude, him. Dude, I interrogated. It was like, you're just going to believe him and eat it? <laughs> and they just went with us like, yeah, free York, cookies, baby. free cookies. Anyway, we gotta, let's talk about football. Uh, shout out to, to everybody that came. And uh, hopefully we'll do more events like that if they want it. Yo, Milan are unbelievable. They won 2-0 against Atalanta. This was the match that I thought to myself. I was like, all right, this is the game that they slip up on. Because, you know, we don't know all the stats. We already, we posted on, on our Instagram where it's like, oh, they haven't won since 2014 against Atalanta, blah, blah, blah. Atalanta style, everything that they had to play for. They still had this draw in their back of their pocket that they could play. So we said, all right, maybe tonight is the night that they slip up. And they looked, once again, just amazing with their most important player, Rafael Leao, who is on fire. But the entire team, the character they showed in this match to beat Atalanta and an Atalanta where I know Atalanta is not the same. The magic is is lost. That's without a doubt. But you still have to go out there and win this game with all the pressure that's riding on top of you. And they did it in convincing fashion, in my opinion. And what a team. I cannot believe... That we are one round away. One round away. All Milan need to do is not lose. And they will be crowned Scudetto champions. If you told me this back in August, I would have told you, Mike, you are crazy. And the funny thing is, Antonio was the only one that predicted this from our podcast. That Milan would win the Scudetto. It is very early, but I was doing the watch-along stream with Antonio, with uh, Giuseppe and his wife Sabrina. And Anto's face... Dude... Even people in the comments were saying, even uh, when Italy played North Macedonia, he was not nervous. Dude, his face was yeah, pale. He had stum- uh, He had knots in his stomach. He, it looked like the cat got his tongue. He was so quiet. He was so it, nervous. Though. And it was such a relief when Milan scored because he was so scared. There's like, what if we slip up? What, we're so close. Uh, he kissed the chair. Oh, he also the chair switched. That you're sitting on. Yeah, he kissed the reg. He also switched it uh, mid midstream because they didn't score yet. Then they so. ended up scoring two goals. But it was such such a huge win for Milan. There there was a lot of question marks from my side too, thinking this is more of a, a mental obstacle mm-hmm. more than anything. Mm-hmm. And by you know, even though yeah, it's not the same Atalanta that we've been saying the past couple of seasons. You know, it's still a very good team that they're still fighting for a European spot. So by winning this game, it showed a lot. And now there's one more game left, like you said, one point left. So right. I love that table. you brought up the mentality. There was this quote from Pioli, which I absolutely loved, and I think um, sums up real well. I showed the team an interview with Kobe Bryant, who said at 2-0 up in the NBA playoff, the job is not done. We're not done. We need to maintain that calm and concentration that can that can in the end prove decisive. I mean, there's a couple things that we could break down here. Uh, I agree with you that this game was a mental challenge because I think when you're thinking about this match, how much pressure is riding on it, mentally you need to be there because I think it's clear that Milan's a better team than Atalanta, but the better team doesn't always win. But also to the mentality and the leadership that Pioli has brought to this team. We, we've kind of said this all, all year. You and I, to a fault, we did not think that Pioli was a good coach. I remember saying that last yeah. year. I thought that that was, could have been their weakness. But he has found himself in the perfect place at the perfect time. I keep thinking back to how Milan looked in 2014, 2015, 2016. If you brought him in, it would have been a disaster. He would have been sacked in six months. He has found himself with the right group of players in the right situation with the right leadership behind him. I think that when you see the team, the way that they're built up with the veterans like Zlatan, with like Giroud, who have won before, who know how to lead the team. But then you have the young talents who have shown great character like Tonali, Tomori, Kalulu, Leao, all these guys. I think Pioli doesn't need to overcoach them. And I think he's okay with taking a step back and allowing them to have that freedom of still being a leader and still teaching them things like like what he's saying and maintaining the concentration, the mentality, but not overcoaching in the tactic side and letting good players do what they do best. I always think back to the quote that he says, there's sometimes in the locker room at halftime, Ibra does all the talking. I don't do that. For a coach, you know, it's ego-based as well. A coach wants to say, no, I'm the one in charge. You think about an Antonio Conte, you would never imagine yeah. him allowing another player to talk an entire halftime. That's what, in my opinion, Pioli has done better than anyone else and better in this position than I think we could have imagined. No, yeah, I agree with you too, Marco. I think a lot of things aligned for, for this Milan team. Everything has been fitting the bill. Uh, other teams slipping up, obviously, is going to uh, pay 
pay a big cost in this, but the unity from this Milan side, everyone has their back. Everyone loves the coach. Zlatan being the mentor, Giroud, you know, there's champions on this team. And um, I think Giroud, I think we brought it up. We still got to confirm it 100%. I think he said a couple of seasons ago before he resigned, he said, if I could stay here for another couple Ibra more seasons. Yeah, Ibra. Ibra Oh, I said Giroud? Yeah, oh, I meant Ibra. Ibra said that, yeah. If I sign for another couple of seasons, we're going to win the Scudetto. And we're all just like all laughing. It's like, ah, come on. I mean, Milan are doing good, but to win the Scudetto, you need something else. And one point away, it's it's crazy. It's right in the distance. So what, what he said was, he came in in January, and he said, if I was here for an entire season, from the beginning of the season, mm. I would have won the Scudetto. And I will admit, I thought that he was absolutely crazy for even being able to say that but it does go back to the unity of the team and, and the style that they brought and I don't want to go too far because listen I still want to give respect and Milan have a tough team to beat in in the next match yeah, and not just to beat just to not lose and and I want to give Inter credit as well but I will say that if Milan go on to do this it's one of the great feats that I've been able to witness is this Milan side winning the Scudetto in my opinion in an era of football that's dominated by money and not necessarily towards Inter, but just towards the credit of Milan, the way that they were able to build this team on a budget by using brain power, being smarter than the rest, mm -hmm. is beautiful. That's the beauty of, of Calcio that I personally love. Again, they didn't win anything yet. They're very close. They just need one point to win the Scudetto. But at the moment, things are looking in their favor. The match is next week, Mike, Sunday, Sunday May yes. 22nd. And they will play at the same time as Inter. Inter have to take on Sampdoria, Sassuolo. Uh, it's in it's in Sassuolo. They will take on Milan, as I mentioned. Make sure you tune in Paramount Plus the for for all the live the show. We're actually doing a Golazzo show, oh, so nice. we're going to be live showing all of them. We're live for like five hours, something like that. I don't know if I could even mention this, but we are. Okay. And Sneak peek. Relegation. Scudetto, like we're just going to be there and just keep switching back the entire time because of the drama that's going to be. So make sure you tune in. As you know, Paramount Plus are mm -hmm. our premium sponsors of this podcast. They supported us in so many ways. If you're in the United States, that's the only place that you could catch Serie A, Champions League, and the Europa Conference League final. And don't forget the link in the top of the description to check it out. We got incredible stuff more in the future to be doing with them. So exciting, exciting times ahead for sure. Yes, more a couple more announcements for them as well. So going into this final match, and, I, and then I want to shift gears to, to Inter as well. This match against Sassuolo. Mike, Sassuolo, we've labeled them as the Giants killer a couple of times because they constantly have gotten results against the big teams, but then will slip up in the small matches. Now Sassuolo's at a point in the season where they really don't have anything to play for. We even saw in their last few matches, they took a beating from, from Napoli. I will never question a team's professionalism in the way that they're going to approach a match. I think any team always wants to win. Mm -hmm. And I think for Sassuolo, while we say they have nothing to play for, it's also a team that's made up of young players. Maxim Lopez, Fratesi, Traore, Berardi, Scamacca. Um, you made me lose my train of thought of the other young player that's there. Traore, you said? Ah, Raspadori. That was oh, the guy Raspadori. I was looking for. That are, they know all the eyes are on them in mm -hmm. this match. And if they can spoil the party, they could have a huge transfer in the summer. That is, this is their like, I know that their coming out party has been for the past 37 rounds. But this one, if you're the one, it's kind of like Farioni. Mm -hmm. You know how Farioni became like a legend for Juventus yes. because of his Scored goal against, against Napoli? Napoli yeah. If you do this against Milan, then you become that guy that yeah. everyone talks about for the rest of the summer and can get a big move. Having said that, how do you see this match playing out? Well, first of all, if it wasn't already obvious, uh, the president and Dionisio also came out and said, we're not giving no gifts to Milan. We're going to play it, you know, as a regular final or re regular match. Uh, I think it's going to be... It's gonna be extremely tough. The stadium's already sold out. It's gonna be. It's pretty much gonna be a, a whole match for Milan because all the Milanisti traveled over there, got, got as many tickets. Probably a lot a few times. Said they're Sassuolo fans, so they can get ninety thousand fans waited online in a stadium. Dude, like that's 20, incredible. Um, but how do you see the match? Going? I think this match is gonna be very back and forth. It's gonna be. I I, th I think I think this match is gonna end in a stalemate. I gotta right. say, I That's, think, I think it's gonna be very back and forth. Milan are gonna be, they're gonna get to that point where they don't score early, and they're gonna kind of leave it too late and 
almost too scared to go and attack and risk going for the win. And I think they're just going to grind it out. And I think the game's going to end 0-0 with, with, oh a, with a good amount of chances. You're, you're literally asking for Antonio to have a heart attack. I, but uh, that's, that's what, what I think it's going to be. Right but uh, that's what I think it's going to be. It's going to be one of those gut-wrenching fina- uh, final things. And I think Inter's going to win by like three or four goals, but it's not going to be enough. Well, Inter, I think they're going to smack I think Sampdoria. It's be, yeah, Unfortunately, exactly. yeah, sorry, Sampdoria fans. But I think Inter will win that match. I don't yeah, see yeah. Sampdoria doing anything. Obviously, the focus is on this game. And honestly, like I know some Sassuolo are a really tough team. I think tactically, the match does favor Milan. They did they did lose the first match, 3-1. Sassuolo yeah, won the first leg. But I think that as the season has progressed, Milan have done better against these sides that attack them. And I said the same thing about Atalanta. The fact that they take the game towards them, like they like to push numbers forward, Milan usually struggle against the teams that sit back. Sassuolo will not do that. And Sassuolo's defense is leaky. So I think Milan's going to win this match. And, and the fact that they only have a tie, I hope... That they don't go into this. And I know that they won't. But I'm just bringing it up. I hope that they don't go into it thinking like all we need is a tie. Because a lot of times you go in there thinking you need a tie. You come out with a loss. The worst game scenario. But they're one match away. That's the talk of of Pioli and and of the entire team. They're, They're doing something that's incredible. They're very close. Let's talk about the other side. Let's talk about Inter who did win their match against Cagliari. A Cagliari that was also fighting for their lives. For me, Inter, they just won the Coppa Italia final. They did a great job against Juventus. Um, I know that there's controversy on the penalty kick, but besides that, I mean, Inter is just a yeah. way better team than, than Juventus. I know people say, yeah, but matches are decided by calls, and for me, it wasn't a penalty. But either way, Inter is just on a different level than Juventus. They've won three out of the past four matches against them in this season. Clearly the dominant team, and as that extra time progressed, Juventus were almost lucky that they didn't concede more, and they were not even competing at a relative level. Either way, that's not the that's not the point. It's not what we're talking about. How Inzaghi's season has gone, for me, and I'll still stand by this, even if Milan win the Scudetto, personally, Inter have played the style that I appreciate the most. There were times where they were unbelievable. Inzaghi brought this element to the squad that was brilliant. The attacking abilities, the way that the midfield got involved, the wing back scoring goals, crossing it in, Lautaro Martinez being on fire, defensively being sound. Like so many things to take away from this Inter that are incredible. And I think they played such a beautiful style. And I think he brought a great style to them. If they don't go on to win the Scudetto, I will say that for me, it's not a failure. Like, Mm. yes, again, in my opinion, coming into the season, they are the best team. And I still stay that if you go on paper, they are the best. Football's not one on paper. And they made mistakes all, along the way. They're not perfect. I think mentally, they've made poor poor decisions. I think back at moments where, you know, there's there's games that are in the balance at 2-1 or 1-1. And they're like, they're pushing forward and, and overexposing themselves when they could play the ball around and be smart. And I think that's what Inzaghi will learn as time comes. He's not perfect, nor is this inter side. But they're still a great squad. They still won two trophies this season, at least two trophies. It's a building block for the future. And they've done it without, no disrespect to Jekyll, but without a great number nine. Like without a top-class, world-class number nine that I think if they bring him in next season and bring in another center back, I think that you're looking at them and you're saying, again, they'll come in as the best team. It's interesting, Marco, for this one because, yeah, they, like you said, they did win the two trophies. But I, I feel the Inter fans, if they don't manage to win the Scudetto, it would almost feel like a failure of the so? season. Only because they had this, they had the Scudetto in their hands. And the inexperience of Inzaghi, I believe, cost them the Scudetto. That two-month period where he couldn't make his team snap out of it, where I feel like someone like Conte, who has that experience, could have done is going to cost Inzaghi, and I think he's going to be kicking himself for her. But yeah, maybe on paper it's not a failure of a season, but just knowing that morale. it was in your hands and the morale of it, it will feel that way. Well, but I, incredible football by Inter, great stuff. First season, uh, you know, for Inzaghi to, for, from a team like Lazio, go to a team like Inter that would be fighting for all fronts. It's a big step. But, you know, all those small details matter for stuff like to, that. He needs to improve his substitutions, that's for sure. Yeah. You mentioned Conte. I mean, you know, we're, we're not going to cry over... Sp- uh, what is it? What's Spilled milk. Spilled milk. There. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate the assist. <laughs> uh, assist. He, he would have won this league. 
I mean, he would have won this league and yeah. it would not have gone back to the end. And, and, you know, credit to Milan for being where they are. And I think they had to do that and they did incredible. But I think that this Inter side wouldn't have lost that concentration at a point where I think December, January, we were looking at this and we're like, Inter's going to run. Mike Grella, who's on the Paramount Plus with us, he said Inter were going to win in double digits. Let's go that. Day. He exaggerated completely, obviously. But the the feeling was that Inter was, I was ready to bet everything that Inter was going to win the league. And I think. Conte psychologically would have brought this team to the end, but at the same time, I think in the long run, Inzaghi's style, his mentality, his sorry, not his mentality, I take that back. His tactics, I think, will suit Inter in the long run, especially considering when they go into Europe, because I think they play the right style of football, but they need to fix things. Hmm, yeah, and that that also with the Inzaghi thing, I do think Inzaghi in Europe is better than Conte in Europe that we've seen. It's only one year. It's only one year, but the thing with Inzaghi, he is more versatile with his players. He's not as rigid as Conte, and the goals come from different players rather than your, you know, your Conte expected, played good against Real Madrid. Strikers. Let's not forget that at the Bernabeu, yeah. Conte did an incredible performance. That's true. I know neither of them went through. They didn't go far enough that they should have, but Inzaghi as well against Liverpool. I mean, the only thing that was lacking, in my opinion, were the substitutions. It was. It was the the real character at that next yeah, level exactly. when you're competing against the best in the business. Speaking about that, Latardo Martinez has done unbelievable this year. I have his stats right here. His first year, he scored six goals. His second year at Inter, he scored 14. His third, 17. He is now currently at 21. The stock mm-hmm. keeps rising for Latardo Martinez. He has stepped up as the leader in this position. Now, when you're when you're Inter, number one, where do you rank Latardo amongst the best strikers in Serie A? Uh, the top strikers in Serie A, I think it's safe to say he would be top three or four. Top three. I think he earned that, and a lot of people still have a lot of criticism of him overall, but I think just as a developing player, he's only going to get better from here the more minutes he gets, and you know, and having a different uh, striking partnership from last year to the season, it's hard to adapt. You know, having someone like Lukaku, and then switching, uh, you know, with all due respect to Dzeko, he's not the same kind of player. So he had he's a, nowhere near Lukaku. He, he had to adapt to that, which says a lot. And with a new coach with, you know, kind of a different mentality, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Um, I know you were a little critical of him mm-hmm. for last season. Has he proved anything to you, proved you wrong at all, or anything changed on yeah. your perspective? And he went through that drought, right? He went through that drought yeah, in, he in Serie A where yes. he scored against Salernitana and then he didn't score for a couple of months. Mid-season. Yeah. I know he scored in the Champions League, right? He scored against Liverpool, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. right? For me, Lautaro, he does a lot of a lot of really good things. I love his attitude. I love his character. I love the spirit of just being aggressive yeah, and yeah. dying for a goal. Personally, those kind of players... That like want to fight for every single ball. You can teach that too. He he does. He makes mistakes. He's still young. Yeah. He makes mistakes that bother me though. Okay. Like decision mistakes where there are simple things that he could do, and I feel like he overthinks it or overcomplicates it. Decision making. His decision making at times okay. lacks. Like that's something that you could learn though. Yeah. He's shown that for me. If you're Inter, you're looking at what he's done this season. He's proved me wrong for sure. You got to keep going forward with him. You should make him. He obviously is the number ten, but he's the man. The franchise to look player, for it, like Antonio would player. say. <laughs> if Antonio was here, he'd be very happy with us. The thing is, we saw DiBala. We saw obviously the tears, whatever. How does can DiBala fit this Inter? The, the rumors are very heavy that he's going to this Inter, and I have my doubts. You want me to go first? I mean, we we're talking a little bit about this before the podcast starting. Uh, it's, it's, it is a strange formation where Dybala doesn't really fit in here. But if you want to keep that three-man back line, we know Inzaghi really goes, you know, loves. I would I would potentially swap him for Hakan, Dybala in the starting lineup, and change it to a 3-4-1-2. You're wild. You're shot, bro. Because I don't think, for me, I don't think Dybala is a number nine. I think he has to play behind the strikers. Everybody agrees Person- with that. Personally, I think that's where he will excel the most if he does go to Inter. You cannot sub Hakan out. Hakan has been one of the best midfielders in Serie A. He has impressed me in ways that I can't believe. He's completely turned into a Metzala. He fights for balls even in defense, which we never saw before. Before, he was just like this attacking player that sometimes played left wing. attacking. I did not like him at all at Milan. Okay. He has completely won me over. The balance in the midfield of Hakan... Brozovic and Barella, there is no way in hell. There are a few players in the world that I would touch that midfield for 
And one of them is certainly not Dybala. If Dybala stays consistent and injury-free, I think Those he are can... massive ifs. They are massive ifs, but I'm saying in a utopian society, if Dybala... We don't live in that, Mike. We live in the I real know, world. I but now, I like dreaming sometimes. Where, where stuff happens. I think Dybala could offer more in attack than Hakan can. And I get, yes, I understand you're going to say, oh, but he doesn't defend, he doesn't... He's not as aggressive coming back. Yeah, I get that. But how much more goals would Inter get if he's healthy, if he puts up... I think I, you're looking I, at it the wrong way. Why? I think that Dybala, the only way that he works at Inter, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is if they got a crazy offer for Lautaro, $60 million plus, they sold him, and then he's the replacement, which, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't know. do if I'm Inter at this moment. I don't see how Dybala is going to work with Lautaro in that same formation. And if I'm Inzaghi, I would not switch the formation for a player like Inzaghi, uh, for a player like Dybala. You could switch the formation, but not for not for Dybala. You would I wouldn't change the whole thing around a guy that's shown that he can't stay consistent, that you can't build a project around. That's my opinion. I don't think it works. I think he's okay, he would be a fair. better fit at a different side. Maybe a Roma, for example. I think he would fit my my two teams for Dybala are Milan. I think I think Milan fits him the absolute best. That is the player that they need. Or Roma. He's just not linked to them. Yeah, he's not really yeah. linked to them. But that would, that would be a cool fantasy. Uh, let's, let's talk about the the whole ones. Juventus match. We'll talk about Dybala and, and, and Chiellini. Obviously, the game against Lazio was crazy. True. Milinkovic-Savic scored in the 96th minute uh, to get them Europa League. Great rebound, Last man. second. The guy's unbelievable. What, what a rifle to the... My, my yeah. personal favorite center midfielder in Italy. I'll say maybe in the world. Double digits in goals and assists. You don't get a guy like that. You don't get a guy that big that's so good on the ball. And is so decisive. He's very well rounded. I love He's him. He's very well rounded. I love him. Mm. I really love him. Would you take him instead of Pogba for Juve? Well, yeah. You yeah. would. 100 yeah, yeah. percent But I don't think I don't think he could go to Juventus. And I don't think it's possible. I think 70 million is too much. But you take for him, Juventus to pay. But not you, that he he's worth it. But you give him the edge over Pogba. Oh, easy. Easy. It's not even close. Hmm. Not even close. But anyway, okay. storyline. The big storylines were Kellini who obviously played his final home match with Juventus. Uh, it was sad. He played 17 minutes to represent the 17 years that he spent at Juventus. Going off with smiles like like you would imagine Chiellini does. He's got such a good attitude about him. Um, for me, personally, it was hard to watch because we, we've got his jersey over there. I'm just, I'm reading it. Um, I'm reading, he even wrote a Marco over there. Con amicizia, with friendship. There we go. Uh, for me personally, to watch a player like Chiellini leave is almost like watching the last of a generation go mm. because the way that I grew up watching football and the the way that I played, the way that I admired, the way that I it was taught to me from, from my family was this kind of player. Chiellini really represents the typical hard-nosed Italian old-school defender that takes no prisoners that goes in and gives his all every single match that is willing to sacrifice his entire body for the badge and for his teammates. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's one of the things to that we're losing in football a lot of the time, right? We look at defenders who score goals. Sure. We look at defenders who do all this. Play with their feet. But, but man, Chiellini is one of the best, for me, over the last decade, the best defender that I've been able to watch. And personally, one of my favorite players and people. Like, even what he's done off the field, the type of person that he acts... I mean, he, he even got his, he went to college to get his degree. Like, he's a doctor. He's a smart guy. All of that well-roundedness of him. Like, I feel like that kind of even intelligent player, and I know people get mad at some of the antics that he does, right? How how he'll, he'll fall into you and get a foul. Like, yeah. But those are the things that you're kind of like taught, right? Like, that that's what we grew up on. It's, it's being smarter than the opposition. And I don't know. He just represents everything, in my opinion, that's beautiful about football. And to see him go, and I know, you know, he's not retiring. He's going to go to MLS or wherever he's going to go. But to not see him in Serie A week after week, I hope, Allegri said this best, I hope that they show videos of this guy to all the kids. I hope that we still breed kids like this, defenders like this. Yeah, I mean, just like we were saying before, like uh, he's in that generation with Buffon. It's like... uh, dying generation but i do feel like with him leaving <clears throat> i think that leaked has similar i feel like Kilini maybe embedded some of that personality to him because the leak isn't your average modern center back he's more of the old school uh traditional Besides kind of how he likes to go up 
Yeah, except that's that. only part of him that makes me feel like you're not Killini. That's true, because he loves to just run forward. He he maybe maybe he's a mix of uh, past and uh, present. Because he even told me that he likes to win games three zero and not one zero. That's definitely. I think Killini Killini yeah. would rather win one zero. That's true. He's more of that. Uh, those gritty Let's defenders, right? Exactly. But it it, it is going to be sad because, you know, the past few years we've been seeing these kinds of players, especially Italian champions, retiring and all that stuff. I, I believe old, Bonucci's the only one left, right, from that, like, golden BBC. generation. So Barzai, we, we know, has been retired. It's, Chiellini. He's the weird one. Chiellini's the weird one because, like, we... I like I literally remember when he was making his debut. I literally remember when he was popping up when he was playing for Juventus in City at B. Like I remember the name coming up, and so like I watched him from his beginning of his career to to now, which feels weird because a lot of the I was talking to Francesco and uh, Francesco Calcio. If anyone on Twitter follows him, but the he goat. was he was saying the same thing. He's like you know Totti and like player Baggio, all those guys. Like we watched like them at a different point in their career. Yeah, we didn't really see them as kids, and then for them to grow up. So Chiellini is a weird one for me. Hmm. So Dybala was the other one who, um, you know, he he was playing his final game for Juventus at home. Not retiring, obviously going to a different team. But I think what made the headlines, and, and I even saw CBS posted the the video of him crying mm-hmm. and had like 5 million views, 6 million views, something like that, which is crazy. is because we never really seen a player like that break down before. Like a player that's not retiring yeah. to leave his club. And he was crying that like, Man, even at first I was like, okay, you know, Dybala's moving on. It didn't really feel crazy, right? But when I saw his face, I said, my gosh, this kid, this little boy who came to Juventus got fell in love with this club. And you could tell that he did not want to leave. You could tell that this is like, you know, he, he killed he was losing him. a killed part him. of him yeah. that he was not in control of. And I think that's why you see Chiellini smiling because uh-huh. he, he came to this, you know, it's sad that he's leaving. But he's at peace with it. It was his decision. Exactly. This was not Dybala's decision. And Mar, I have a question for you. There's some talks about Dybala and stuff like that. I want to ask you, for you personally, uh, do you think Dybala is a Juventus legend? Um, this word legend gets thrown around a lot lately, right? Yeah, you know, that's like, true. I think for kids, like for kids that are growing up as Juventus fans, and I've seen their reception from younger fans, he's a legend for them. Like, He's he was there. He never became Del Piero, obviously. Yeah. Like, and for us older ones, you know, you remember Del Piero, and we're like, okay, DiBala was nothing like Del Piero. But for young kids, he was the number ten. He was the leader. He's the one that they put on the back of their shirts and they do his celebration. That's just like show. we used to do the tongues out. Yeah. So for them, he's a legend, and I respect that. I get that. You know, did he fulfill his potential? I think that he became an he he was an incredible player. He did unbelievable things at times. I think a lot was out of his control with injuries and and with things not going his way. And every time he, every time he got to that level where you know he did those goals against Barcelona, and I said, my gosh, this is his breakout. He would have a dip one way mm. or another, whether it's an injury, whether it was something off the field, whether it was you know somebody else being signed. Like there was always something, and I think a lot of it was out of his control. But I feel for the kid, and and I think that the way that the only feel, I I think I think Juventus is not making the wrong decision moving away from Dybala because I don't think that he's going to fit the 4-3-3 system that Allegri wants to play. My problem is the way that they go about it. Mm. I mean, you promise this guy in October a contract, right? You say, okay, we're all good. We're going to do it in January because of accounting reasons. And then you pull it under the rug in the way that you do. And then you don't even offer him a lower amount. I get that things change. This is football. It's a business. But part of being a good business person and running a good business is also treating people and players the right way because that's a reception of your brand. That's a reception of everything you're about. So when I see people say, oh, it's business, it's cutthroat, it's like, but that's not good business. It's not good business to just screw over players, in my opinion. No, yeah. I know the whole whole story, just to clear it up, it's a good thing that you brought it up. Vlaovic signing, Arriva Bene said, once we signed Vlaovic, Dybala had his foot out the door. We shifted our focus because Vlaovic became the center of our project. And they're not going to pay these guys the same amount. And they did not even make Dybala a lower offer. They said, we don't want to insult you with such a low offer. Just go your separate ways. Yeah, I don't like the way that they treated him. Is more so my problem than it is sporting-wise wanting to move away from him. So you wouldn't blame him if he goes to, like, say, their rivals in there or something like that? Personally, I don't. Because mm-hmm. even if, if you're in his situation, right, you love a club, right? And there's a difference because the logo of Juventus means a lot of different things, right? 
it's it's what he fell in love with. He fell in love with the fans, his teammates. Does he get along with the management though? Like, you know, I can understand yeah. him wanting to spite the guys mm-hmm. that say, "Oh, you don't believe in me? Watch me go to your rivals and watch me prove you wrong." Mm-hmm. Now, for all the Juventus fans that love him, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen. As a professional, if we want to talk about being professional and being cutthroat, why shouldn't he go to the next, you know, best opportunity? For him. You know? Yeah. We also don't know what offers he has. Like, does he have offers outside that he doesn't want to take? I per- I'm just the type, I'm, I've told you this before, I'm okay with players going anywhere. Like, I don't, I don't care about that. There are specific players that I care about that I'm like, I don't want to see them go. You know, like, Totti with Roma, uh, Maldini with Milan, yeah. Zanetti with Inter, Del Piero. Those are the ones that make it special for me. Those are the ones where I say, you know what? They're in a select group. And even if you like Dybala, you like um, all these other players, they don't ha- all have to be at that. that they loyal, don't have to. Yeah, they don't have loyal. to. And you can yeah. still enjoy them. That's yeah. how I am. And I want to see Dybala week in and week out personally because no. I love the player. I think on his day, he's one of the most you know, he is the most yeah. talented player in Serie A. That's a good point on that because, first of all, you, you don't know what if he wants to stay in Serie A. What if he loves Italy and he wants to just go to another competitive team? And, yeah, maybe it seems like a slap in the face, but he wants to do what's best for him. And His family, I, too. Exactly. It's a lot of things. And uh, I think I, I kept Dybala in a higher pedestal than everyone else, especially in the podcast because I always saw glim- world-class glimpses of him and I always thought he was going to be He's going to be the next big thing. And I feel like he never amounted to that. And it, it kind of hurt me. And I was like, man, it's such a shame because these injuries and, you know, all these all these down waves of him not performing, it sucks to see. So that's why I kind of want him to go to another top team. And, of course, Serie A because that's all we watch. And kind of fulfill and hope, at least hope, you know, that he could fulfill that potential that at least I had for him becoming that world-class player. So that's where I feel like maybe I'm, I'm thinking unrealistically, but I know I just seen he's done world class things, and I just wanted to become that world class player that maybe I had my mind set on, even though maybe he's not, or maybe he is. He just needs a different environment. Who the, knows? The one thing I would say is I would be wear, worry, wary. Is it wary or word? W- wary. I would be wary. wary. I would be wary, like a wear. Yeah, Thank wary. You. English lessons. There we go. That's what you get on the IFTV podcast. I'd be wary of. Making a project around Dybala. Yeah, I get That's that. That's the one thing I would I get say. That. If you add him as a as an added as a big bonus, and you still have another player, then then, it's then good. yes. The only thing is now you have now I just said that he's a ro- you know you do have a rotation player that makes eight million a year. The two kind of don't mix yeah, up. Yeah. So there you're in a, between a rock and a hard place. Let's move on to another player that has goodbye and a very emotional one. Lorenzo Insigne with Napoli. He uh he I knew he was gonna score. He stepped up to take the penalty kick. He hit the post, uh, and then they they really let him Took it again. retake yeah. it. That was like the footballing <laughs> gods looking down on him and be like, yeah. "We got you, man. You did so much for uh, for Napoli." He scored it. It was his 122nd goal. He for Napoli in their all time goal scoring rank, overtaking Marek Hamsik. So on his last day, he became number two in Napoli's history. A man that has the tattoo of the logo. You won't find anyone more Napolitano than Lorenzo Insigne. And he's another guy that fans are split. I spoke mm-hmm. to Ludo. Mm-hmm. He says, we're 50-50 on Lorenzo Insigne's time at Napoli. He says the older generation, the generation that grew up with the Maradonas, with the top players, don't feel that way about Insigne and are not as attached to Insigne. They don't think that he became that. Because in the tough moments, in the moments when it really mattered to try to lead them to glory, lead them to the promised land. He wasn't there and he couldn't show up. But then there's also the other set of fans where they appreciate everything that Insigne did. And I think the one thing you can't deny is that every time he put the jersey, he fought for it. Yeah. He never disrespected. He always wanted to stay at Napoli. He fought for the shirt. He was incredibly talented, really talented. Now, you want to say in the big games, he you know sometimes he didn't show up, this and that. For me, I appreciate Insigne for what he was, for what he was to the people of Napoli, mm-hmm. the leader he was, especially for the young fans. You know, he was—he's a guy that could create something out of nothing. His iconic tiragiro that you know we don't often see, we hadn't seen since like a guy like Del Piero. He brought that to the league. He brought that to Napoli, and I think it's hard for a kid that's from Napoli to play for Napoli. They're held to Extremely. such a higher standard. Extremely like a guy tough. like Mertens, for example. 
is never scrutinized the way that Insignia is. Exactly. And that's a hard pressure. And not everyone's built for that pressure. And I'm okay with saying, like, maybe that's one of his faults. And mm. you can still appreciate him for how good he was. No, I get that 100%. And first of all, Insignia was one of the players. He literally gave everything for the jersey. He, he lived, breathed died Napoli the culture over there he never wanted to betray the fans he always stayed there and the biggest thing for me is he he never gave up yeah you can say he didn't pull up to these um some expectations some of them you know saying oh he'll never be as good as Maradona wow. but dude nobody's as yeah good I know as I know but whatever you said Napoli to tippity top but he gave everything there is what else do you want from someone that gives a hundred percent you know I understand there was some falling out, some fights, stuff like that, but he was true to the club. And not many players, especially now, could say that. And damn talented. Extremely talented, especially, you know, being born and raised there. It's very difficult. And I know a lot of people are split because, yes, he's going to TFC. People are saying he abandoned or abandoned them. Antonio on the live stream, I don't know if you saw, but he, he called him a traitor for leaving. I was like, Anto, how is that a... what Antonio says? No, serious, but, but he said that stuff, and I was like, Anto, first of all, you don't put Donnarumma as a traitor for leaving a PSG, but you put Insigne. Yo, why are you trying to rationalize But I, I don't know, that just annoyed me. But some some people actually still think like that, saying that he's a traitor. But I think Insigne really gave everything he has. Huge Napoli legend, and he always leaves everything on the pitch. So for me... I'm happy with his performances, and I'm definitely on the side of being an Insignia fan for sure. One of the, I wonder how the narrative would have been different if he was able to lift the Scudetto with Sadi that time. Yeah, I wonder if I, th I think people would have given him the res even more respect, more respect. that he ever, yeah. that he deserves. Uh, but Napoli is a tough place to win. Also, I, I saw I saw the the rumors of uh, Scamacca possibly to Napoli, but if Osimhen would leave. Uh, interesting idea. Let me see who who was who was reporting it. I just saw on our on our Instagram. It was Corriere del Sport. They're saying that Spalletti wants to build off of Ospina, Kulavelli, Angisa, and if a crazy offer comes for Osimen, that they will go for um, Scamacca. Real quick, I mean that just no point of talking about that. Spalletti is the guy to build on Napoli, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because I see the crazy narrative online that Spalletti failed. That is ridiculous. I said it in the last podcast. The only thing he failed is that he set the expectations so high with his incredible In the start. Of the season. But hey, guess what? What do you want the guy to do? Lose games? Like getting top four was the goal for Napoli. He achieved that goal. Build with this player. Build with this coach. Like who are you gonna get? I see some fans saying yeah. Italiano. Italiano is a great coach. He's doing really good at Fiorentina. But let's let's not Come joke on. ourselves. Don't, don't take away anything from you Spalletti. You cannot sack Spalletti yeah, yeah. for getting them top four. That's nonsense. That's like yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Hundred percent. So let's just. I want to make that clear. I, I do think though, if Spalletti didn't have, he almost shot himself in the foot in a good way because he started off so good and maybe lagged behind towards the end. If he didn't start off so good, I don't think Napoli okay, fans would be just, as critical. Okay, how about just be smarter you know? and realize that that's no, the case? No, 100%. But like, that, a lot of people are thinking emotionally rather than rationally on this part. So that's why I feel like... We're going to hold Spalletti, it against him for starting oh, 100%. so good. 100%. But, you know, fans fans are, you know, with this, with this sport, it's very that's emotional. So that's how a lot of fans think, unfortunately. But Spalletti... I think he's a huge for Napoli for the next few years for sure. I think he's building something special, and we'll see. Um, great quotes from uh, from Mourinho. We'll, we're going to do a preview of the Conference League uh, as it gets closer because right now the talking points for Roma are not too much. Uh, just I, I love the quote from Mourinho. I wanted to read it. I got emotional going under the Curva Sud, seeing the celebration. These people deserve everything. I've experienced this after winning championships, not after a draw at home and in this position in the table. It's incredible social phenomenon. So yeah, that love story just keeps continuing, and I pray that he's able to give these fans a trophy, and I think that he wants it more than anything. Like I said, we'll do a, a bigger deep dive. We're going to keep this episode short. Last two things, let's just talk about the two relegation sides, mm. Genoa and Venezia, officially relegated. Two American-owned teams as well. For Venezia, um, you know, I, I hate to say it, but when we were talking about this in August, we kind of figured that they were going to go down. In my opinion... They broke the the golden rule of Serie A. Just the way that I've been watching this league for 20 years, it's you get experienced players who know the league, and they got a lot of like these random guys from all over the place that were a little bit young and not understanding Serie A. And for me, the teams that do really well are the ones that bet on experience, and I'll loop even Genoa on this too. 
Think about Empoli with Andrea Zoli, a coach that's been around for a long time. Getting players who have been there for a long time. I even think about the match Benevento Ascoli, which we watch in Serie B. Who's the one who scores the goal? Lapadula, Lapadula. who's been yeah. around in Serie A for a long time. Yep. Gleek, who's their defender. Like those kind of things matter in sure. in our league. And I think for Venezia, that was a tough point. They had great moments. I think Zanetti really brought a nice style. I know that he got sacked in the end. They will be back. I'm sure they'll be back. And hopefully with a stronger foundation. For Genoa, this one is really sad. Genoa Losing Genoa in Serie A is ridiculous. 15 seasons in Serie A. I almost don't remember a Serie A without, without this them, club yeah. in it. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, meritocracy wins. They deserve to go down. They, for so long, were flirting with relegation. They were. They rested on their laurels, and they made bad business decisions. Once again, I'll just add for them, they broke the rule of Serie A. Blessing was one of the most ridiculous choices for a coach. You could talk about the style. You could talk about what he brings. I think Blessing can become a really good coach, but he wasn't right for Genoa at that time. When you get into that moment, you need a fighter. You need a Davide Nicola, a Beppe Iacchini, somebody who has been in the trenches of Serie A relegation and rallies the team together. Not brings a whole new style to the team. They also made the mistake with Shevchenko, bringing in Shevchenko for a couple matches in a spell that was so difficult, and then they sacked him. Like, I'm sorry, but if you make those decisions, you kind of deserve to go down. It sucks for the Genoa part because, like you said, they've been there for so long. We're going to miss uh, a Serie A derby, of course. True. And the other thing is, you know, both American owners looking for an ambitious project. Another thing is they're one of the teams with the most new players that they bought through the Mercato. So, yeah, you could say, you can't say they weren't trying, but maybe they were a little too ambitious from what they were doing. Rather than playing it safer, they try to throw the original plans out the window and try try this new philosophy, try new players, when realistically, you know, well, now we know that that wasn't working. And it sucks because they, they, were, they were really trying to do something different. But that trying something different doesn't always work. And you, you could pay for it dearly, just like uh, we're, we're seeing now. I have a pushback to the, that, though. I don't think the signing 11 players is the problem because Sabatini at Salernitana signed 11 players in January mm-hmm. and look what they're able to do. I don't think it's the, the number of players. I think mm-hmm. it's the ideas and the the players that they bring in that actually perform rather than just, you know, okay, we have to sign a lot of players. But either way, they're going down. It sucks. Um, make sure you guys tune in. We're, we're going to be live streaming, I know for sure. The Scudetto race, oh, both yeah. the Inter and Milan games at the same time. We're going to have a Scudetto winner. This is one of the best Serie A seasons that I can remember in recent history. This is what we've been begging for. We've been begging for the Serie A to go to the final match day where anything could happen. I know we gave so much credit to Milan, but we could easily be sitting here next week at the same time and saying Inter have won the league. Inter pulled it off out of some miracle out of their back pocket. Marco, give us uh, uh, the title right now if Inter manages to come back. Just go jump back. If Inter manages to No, no, I'm going to say it. No, I can't say it. That, that's a tease. Give both of them. Give Milan, if Milan win and if Inter win. My, so my original prediction back yeah. was Inter was going to win. So I'm going to stick with that Inter somehow really? wins the title. I, I but you're just saying it just to say it. No, I can't flip-flop now. On the other hand, I have no shame. Milan's winning. Milan's winning. <laughs> yeah, if they dude, if they manage to choke this and, and lose this game, that would be this would be historically horrible. But I think they're gonna do what it takes. It's gonna be gut wrenching, Antonio. I'm sorry, but I think they're just gonna get the job done. And I, Inter's gonna win, but it's not gonna matter. You know what we need to do? We need to edit, find the clip of Antonio saying that the scudetto is toilet paper when <laughs> Milan was not doing well because he was, you know, that was his defense mechanism, yeah, yeah. and then show him that clip as he's celebrating. But on the real, we've never. IFTV has never seen Antonio win the the league title. So Antonio win. <laughs> yeah, like Antonio yeah, yeah. celebrating like he's never he never gets to celebrate. That's like he true. only gets to celebrate matches. Like the amount of shit talking that's going to happen yeah. for this next year if he wins, I'm all for it. I honestly, I am so for it. At the same end, the team that goes down, do you say is I'm going to say it's Cagliari. Cagliari. Cagliari is going down. I'm going to say Salernitana go down. Salernitana? Yeah. Oh, buddy. I don't know why. By the nervous. way, Liko Yanis' goal against Inter, dude, that was something you almost, else. He had another shot that Do you was know uh, Udinez is already interest, interested in him? So he's already going to go to another Serie A club if they do manage to go down. Off. 
but they're not flirting with relegation, would they not, right? He's not going to start. Be fine. No. Yeah, I think he could start. They play as a wing back Udoji's formation. going to leave. That's why. Yeah, that's probably. <laughs> Whatever. That's a good sign. No, I'm going to say Selenithan will go down. I don't know why. I feel like. Damn. Damn. Because everybody's really? so like hyped on it. I feel like we've like jinxed them. Nah, I don't know. Hmm. We'll see. We'll yeah, see what happens. We'll, we'll be we'll be around. Make sure to su- subscribe, like. Uh, last bit of news, actually, before we leave. Di Maria, uh, it seems like he's going to be joining uh, Juventus on a one or two year deal, seven million euros a season. It's caused a lot of controversy, oh, a lot a of lot. stir up amongst the Juventus fans. Uh, your quick take on it before we go? Well, uh, I don't. I haven't seen too much about him the past few seasons. I haven't been watching PSG, and when I do, I feel like he hasn't really been starting. Well, you know, when Di Maria was in his prime, I think he was obviously a top footballer, great assist, knows how to score. A good bit of news is he he's still a st- starter for Argentina. I know Marco's been going around asking anyone who maybe remotely <laughs> watches anyone. a half a minute of PSG <laughs> if they hilarious. know anything about Di Maria. So, guys, if you know anything about PSG or Di Maria, for Marco, say something positive, nothing negative, because whoever he asks, he feels like he's getting the... The shorter end of the stick here. My my two cents is I know you mentioned him starting. I think looking at that stat is jaded because he's got Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. Yeah, that's fair. Anyone else in the world? He's will also thirty four too. Bench. Uh, for me, like I the the thing about Di Maria is he would fit the idea of what Juventus have or what they're going for. Four three three formation. He's the perfect style of player that they need. A man that could beat his dribble his his man send the cross in. They need somebody who can give assists to Vlaovic and service Vlaovic. That's what Di Maria does, right? He fits the style of what they want. Juventus don't have the funds to be able to invest in somebody up top. So when everyone says you don't want Di Maria, but who do you want? Dybala doesn't fit the 4-3-3 for the people that are going to say him. The people that want all these huge names, Juventus is not spending the yeah. money up top. They need a free transfer. For me, Di Maria, I think it could fit perfect. Chiesa, Vlaovic, Di Maria up front is a deadly attack. My only doubt, and this is where I, I admit, I haven't seen him play. I don't know his fitness. <laughs> the biggest thing. Oh, I just haven't, I haven't seen, seen him play in the, in the yeah. last year. In the last year. I know what he was, and what he was yeah. was beautiful. Of course. If he can stay fit, and this is my if. Has he been injured a lot? Has he has he struggled with fitness? If he hasn't, I think he'll tear Seti apart. But how, how the thing is, how much time could he give you? Is he going to be a, a... No, just one year. One year. No, no, I'm saying how many games could he guarantee oh. you is what I'm saying. Cause That's the thing at the I, end of the, I can't answer. Because at the end of the day, if you're wanting him to be a starter, it's very demanding for a 34-year-old to be a starter who hasn't been playing the past very few good, but seasons. Who else no, I'm not. Just I'm not going against. I don't know, don't but know. I'm not also not the sporting director of Juve <laughs> making millions of dollars. Okay, but I'm just saying for so, the people that comment, that are commenting like, yeah, I know. oh, you can't go. You took to that personally with me, bro. I'm, I'm just saying what's on yeah, the table. Because I'm like, <laughs> yo, but you got to provide an alternative. Like, you but can't I'm, just I'm say not something. attacking. I'm just saying what's on the table. And That's I'm what just I'm saying. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying like you got to provide somebody else. I'm also saying I'm not the sporting director. If you want, too, so. I know Dybala. Though the big argument is Dybala. Dybala is clearly completely out of the plans. He doesn't fit the four three three. I see Ryan commenting that on our page. But they want to play 4-3-3. He doesn't play in the 4-3-3. Like, he's not that style of player that they want. Anyway, guys, thank you for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, guys.